0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life,
1: in person or online. Last week, if you were with us, and if you weren't, you might wanna Jump on last week and watch the conversation we had. A conversation around the camp camp, you know, at a tree, had a tent. Actually, had a real fire. It was so cool. And today we're just in the living room, a little bit of that. But you know, we're this is part two of a mini series called Family Matters. It's because family matters no matter your family status. And you know, when it when it comes to talking about family, sometimes it's actually a, a challenging conversation or a challenging subject because I think. For, for a lot of us these days, we might not come from great families, and, and it can be really hard to, um, you know, not just kind of, or when we, oh, it's a family subject, it's like we kind of tune out because I don't want to think about that, or I don't have family, or my family's less than wonderful, but I think this is, this is, there's good news when it relates, or when it comes to this topic of family. In fact, good news, the good news that Jesus came bringing wasn't just, I'm here to save you from your sins. I'm here but he actually came bringing a new picture of family. And if you look, you know, God was God's always been about family. If you look in, you know, the book of Genesis, there's there's this principle about how do you how to understand the Bible and how to read the Bible in a right way? Well, things that are repeated or emphasized, you got to take note of them. Like God tries to get our attention by repeating things. And You know, in in the book of Genesis, it's like the first 11 chapters focus on events, but chapters 12 through 50, the rest of the book, they all focus on family relationships, and they focus on families. And and it was God's way of like the very first book of scripture, God is emphasizing how big of a deal family is. But not just that, if you read those stories, they were messed up families. Like we're talking seriously messed up. So right from the beginning God had a plan to bring a brand new picture of family. Like that's what he was wanting to do right from the beginning. And so that's actually encouraging because you know even when Jesus when when he walked the earth, he had a lot of weird things to say about family. And, you know, one time, you know, his brother and his sisters, his mother, they all showed up. He, Jesus was in, his house, in this house at somebody's house doing his, their thing, and he's talking and preaching and healing people, and people came and said, Jesus, your family's outside, and he's like, well, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? You know, he's like, obedience is thicker than blood. It's kind of like, that's kind of harsh. And, and here's another one in Matthew, in Matthew, ah, uh, let's see, where is it? Matthew 10, where he says, don't think I've come to make life cozy, I've come to cut, to make a sharp knife cut between son and father, daughter and mother, bride and mother-in-law, to cut through these cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. Well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. Like, how nice is that? (laughs) If you prefer, and in most translation, it says, if you love father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer son or daughter... Over me, you don't deserve me. Isn't that crazy? It's like, it's like Jesus had some weird things to say about family. And why is it? Well, it was because He was coming to bring a new picture, a God's picture, about His idea of family. And he made some pretty crazy statements because the culture he was in was, had some really strong family values, but God was coming to kind of blow open those ideas and say, I've got something even bigger and something different and something better. And so this is where he had, all along, God had been planning about doing and bringing this different family. And so last week we talked about culture and culture's idea of family and sometimes culture the way our culture is actually works against or doesn't uphold values. It, it has these values that actually don't allow family to thrive, yeah. and that's what Jesus came to change too. He came to bring a way to do family. No matter what our family status or our relationship status is, we can experience thriving, thriving Flourishing families. And so last week we looked at some of the different contrasts. One of the contrasts with culture says family is about biology, but God's picture of family is family is chosen. Right, yeah. You choose your family. That's God's idea of family. Culture says, mostly I think our Western culture, is this idea of independence, being independent, versus God's culture of family or God's idea of family is this interdependency. We need each other. And another one, culture, p- family is a reflection of me versus the, God's picture of family is that family is a reflection of him. So today, we've got some more comparisons that we're going to look at. Ready? We are. So here's the first one. Culture, the picture our culture usually shows us is family is center, But God's idea is Jesus is center. Culture says family is center. Like we hear it in all sorts of Disney movies. Family is everything, you know? It's, you know, and family, it sounds good. Like if you actually listen to Disney movies, it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of that. But I think this idea of family is center, it sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? I think it, it sounds, especially in a culture where relationships are broken where people are dysfunctional like we need family but how can this idea actually work against building strong families family is center versus jesus being center how does that actually work against building a strong family
2: well i think sometimes if we if we take this approach that family is center although family is super important but it's it uh it actually lends us towards disappointment or it it can lead us to disappointment because when our families, like our families will fail us at some point, like whether it's even natural family, church family, like we will all fail one another at some point. And so if that relationship is the center of our faith or the center of our confidence, when that relationship fails, which it will, at some point, then we're left with disappointment and we 're left with pain and hurt and we 're actually left with nowhere to go yeah. whereas when Jesus is the center when when we disappoint one another in family or in relationship we have we have a, a stronger anchor that keeps yeah. us tethered yeah. together yes. and so and it's it 's like Jesus while god may disappoint our expectations right. god never fails yeah. and so that's where by by making jesus a center we're actually we're actually anchoring our families in something stronger we're actually re- anchoring our relationships in something that's stronger than just our ability yeah. Yeah. to be good people yeah. Yeah. because we all know in long term relationships at some point you're going to make mistakes yeah. that's going to hurt people but if, if without Jesus at the center, we're, we're actually setting ourselves up for disappointment.
0: I actually think our lives were made to have Jesus' as center. So when we pick something else as a center, yeah. it almost puts everything out of kilter. I like like It's too. like driving yeah. on a flat tire or, yeah. or on an unaligned thing. Yeah. If, you're, if Jesus is our true center and we're trying to pretend something else is, it just kind of throws everything yeah. off kilter.
1: Yeah, that's a good example. I think too when we try to... Um, I think when I think of something as being my center, I think of it as something that fuels me, you know? Like, it's like, that's where I get my life from, and that's, you know, and which, I think, you know, relationships are life, you know, they give, they provide good stuff for us, they're life-giving, but they can't, like, they're not our fuel. Like, the human, our hum, like humans were only made to run on one fuel, and that was like the, the life of God. And and so I think, and too, like, whether it's, you know, our families disappoint us, or there's loss, or there's brokenness, I think it's, it's easy to lose our center in that way. What about, what about the, um, uh, what are some examples of how you're aiming for Jesus as center in your family?
3: Um, yeah, I think one of the things we do, like for our media, and again, everything we're saying relates more than just parent-child dynamics, but yeah. um, for us, uh, we've done uh, morning devotions. And so every morning, I drag everyone out of bed, at 7 o'clock, and sometimes they hit me or yell at me, and my kids aren't much better, but, uh, no, just kidding. Uh, No, I lure her out with coffee, but, um, and we all come out, and we sit in the living room, and everyone's still kind of doing their own things. It's not like this beautiful kumbaya, hold hands. Everybody's like on, you know, their version, doing their devotions, or however they're doing it, but uh, we're just creating a spiritual habit um, of just consistency, hoping that it will take root, that it will be helpful, that's... Um, one thing but I think yeah you can just see lots of different examples yeah. That's
0: good. I remember asking my parents what is a great parenting book or something that you use to kind of pattern your life after and their answer they said the Bible and I was like but the Bible doesn't have like practical how do you raise a two-year-old yeah. but it was just like the the idea is if if we follow Jesus then he works on us yeah. as parents so if he works on us as as parents partners, as, um, you know, whatever role we play, and if we can point our children to Jesus, and it's not like we want our kids to, we're not trying to get them to read the Bible so that they tick a box for us. It's so that we kind of point them to Jesus as a solution, and I just think that's one way we're we're aiming for Jesus' center is both in our own personal lives, because I know I'm a better mom when I've had that time with Jesus, and, you know, in the early years, it looked like having, like, Hiding in the bathroom and reading one scripture. <laughs> so yeah. It's like, I need a lifeline here. Um, but now, thankfully, we've got some habits, and I have older kids, and I have time to, um, and I see the difference in me, even. Yeah. Like, if I'm patterning my life after Jesus and I'm pointing my kids, I know I will disappoint my kids, yeah. but hopefully, if they've been pointed to Jesus, like, He can't let them down.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, if I can say something to that, too. My mom, sit in front row. Uh, I was raised in a single parent home. And so she took care of three kids. And, you know, I look back and I don't necessarily remember her like preaching at us and doing all these big dynamic things in terms of making Jesus center. I just, I look back and I remember just every day seeing her read her Bible. Yeah. And she would encourage yeah. us in different ways. But the main thing yeah. was, and I don't think I knew it in the moment like any kid. You don't really yeah. recognize it. But you yeah. look back and it's like you were just like super consistent in just yeah. setting this example of this is how I start my day. This is what yeah. is important. This is how I live my life. Yeah. And even if I didn't know it at the time or you weren't shouting it like, hey, look at me, I'm reading my Bible. It's like, I, I did, it did absorb yeah. in. And so I see, yeah. I see the impact of that, of just like making Jesus centered. And then even like the church dynamic, again, like I didn't have my dad around. And so she helped me find guys who could be what I need in my life and how helpful that was to have that and just especially within the church i think like when you decide because it is a choice like when you decide um church is not just a group of people you're around right. but it is your family um uh, to fill the gaps and to be what we all can't be for everyone else like i think there's power within yeah. that and i think that really set me up too and was a really good way to show me like jesus is the center.
1: I think that's a good thought because how do you how, like what does that mean like Jesus is a center if if I'm single if I'm you know my family's broken if I'm divorced if I'm you know in a stage of life where my kids are grown like what is that actually like Jesus is center what does that look like how do you do that got any thoughts on that
2: <laughs> I've got lots of thoughts the uh I think I think the important thing with like making Jesus center is that is that it we make him center and we don't, make, we don't make an experience center. We don't make an outcome center. We don't yeah. make our expectation center. But that as we, as we follow Jesus and make him center together, then it, it keeps us bound, whether it's family or church family, it keeps us in yeah. relationship. Yeah. And it, it gives us that place to, to go forward.
1: Yeah. I think, too, we kind of talked, we talked a little bit about this last week, but the whole idea of choosing family, like that whole thing is, I think, is so big. And I think, you know, your place in life where it's just like my, my what would be, what culture considers this is my nuclear family, if that isn't a, a physical reality. And, and I think even if it is, I think one of the things about choosing family isn't just choosing if I don't have family like who am I choosing like who are as families who are we choosing to bring into our family and, and and not looking at that well that's the consolation prize you know I don't have my family so I guess I better surround myself with other people but I actually think there's something really powerful in that in, in recognizing that this is how you know we we can we build family and we're we're creating and we're bringing others into a family dynamic whether they're bled or not. I think there's that resiliency. Here's another, here's another one. What about culture's idea when it comes to family is don't break this. In other words, the idea I've got to work hard to keep this family good, make it work. But the biblical idea is it's already broken, so now what? Yeah. <laughs> Culture says don't break this. The Bible's picture, the biblical picture, is it's already broken. So now what? I mean, we'll get into what does that actually mean. Even if you've got a great family, it's broken because we're all broken. But don't break this. Can you give examples of what that pressure looks like?
0: Go ahead. Well, I, I think of filters because, like, you know, when we're presenting something on social media, we put a filter on it. Yeah. Like, we're yeah, all yeah, so familiar with filters. Yeah. But at the same time, we also look in the mirror. <laughs> And so it's like, if we've got this, don't break this idea of a family, it's like, we've got to keep this perfect yeah. veneer almost, right. yeah. then we actually do look in the mirror and see the brokenness. And yes. so it's like, somebody's hiding something. Somebody's yeah. not being honest about yeah. what it really is. And so I think that that pressure can really um, distort things. And if we pretend that the brokenness isn't there, yeah. then we don't actually let that heal or or address the things that that brokenness created and i don't know i think that
1: yeah
0: could be pressure yeah
1: i think
3: so too well it's an unspoken yeah that unspoken pressure like you can't mess up we got to portray ourselves a certain way but the more you read in the bible it's like you are guaranteed to mess up you are a sinner this is who we are saved by grace jesus changes us but but we are this way and we have to acknowledge that and reminding that we can't do that on our own. And I think of an example from like, oh, probably three years ago, I was teaching in Voltage, our kids' church. And uh, whatever the message was, I, I, I was talking to them about like, what you can do and stuff. And then I stopped and I was like, but you need to know, like, you need to know that you're not good enough. And one of the five-year-old girls sitting in front row was just like, that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went on to explain, it's like, without Jesus we're not but that's why we need Jesus you know yeah. but there's this underlying even that that uh, that response it's like we are naturally offended by the idea yes. of that but yeah. but we have to acknowledge like yeah. we're not enough on our own that's yeah. why we need a savior yeah we need it,
2: it. the uh, I think there's in, can be incredible pressure when it's when we're trying to keep something from being broken yeah it puts unrealistic pressure on everybody in a relationship yeah. to perform yeah. to a measure that's actually not you can't actually perform to that measure. Yeah. Yeah. And by recognizing, you know what, we're all broken and we're, we're learning how to do this together. Because yeah. there's things as, as a parent or even as a, as a leader or as a, as a part of community, there's things that you do right now that you'll realize one day you were just plain wrong. Yes. Like the way, you, the way you dealt with people or the way you dealt with situations or the way you interacted with your children, you'll just realize, yeah. I was stupid. I did the wrong thing and it's like there's a brokenness in us that sometimes we don't even realize is present and to re- and when we when we take it from the point of view of you know what I am already broken and God's grace is greater than my brokenness yeah. And God's God's grace is actually greater than my ability to make mistakes and mess things yeah. up. And it just puts it it puts um, our families in the right context, yeah. and it puts our it it and it puts our church family in the right yeah. context. Yeah. It's I was reading a book um, that was on community, and one of the statements in this book was: the sooner the idealism of community yeah. can be shattered, the quicker the real building of community yeah. can take place. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes there's idealism around family that actually needs to get broken down so that real family, real relationship, real community, real church family can be built because idealism can actually be an enemy to actual experience of family. That's
1: really good. And I think sometimes we can bring this idealism in without realizing it, whether it's church community or whether it's our real families, when ours weren't great, you know, or if we experience something in our family that we want to give our kids better. And I kind of think that's, I think it's a good thing. And I think it's a natural response, but I also think it can set the family dynamic for being, you know, it's like this pressure. And you know, kids are giving some insight on your parents. You know, your parents are working out their stuff too. Yeah. You know, and so sometimes that pressure you feel is like, why do we have to be this good family? And I remember thinking that growing up, you know, pastors kids, you experience this a lot, coaches kids. You experience this a lot. Got to be the best, you know, and you got to have, you kind of feel this pressure. Oh, we got to be this kind of, you know, family. And, you know, getting down the road, you recognize now it's like, oh, man, that wasn't mom and dad. That was mom and dad working out their stuff. You know, and that's so much a part of 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 recognizing that your parents are working out their crap too, you know, like they really are. And, you know, parents as, you know, when you're raising your kids, you know, you feel this pressure. I got to make sure my, you know, my family is this and my kids are this way. We can't ever forget that. Well, God's trying to raise you, too. <laughs> you know, it's not just us trying to raise our kids, but God's working on us and raising us as parents. That, And he's raising us through our kids. Yeah. You know, that's what he does. I just think
0: family is an incredible tool if we'll let it be, whether yeah. it's sibling relationships or yeah parent relationships or even chosen friends and family, the people that you let close enough to let, to see you yeah, without yeah. the filters, right? right. Yeah, the right. people who do already know how broken you are. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can be honest with each other and there yeah. can be growth there. Yeah. Um, so like whatever family you let close enough to see that, then you can grow from there. And yeah, I, like I just think that's a, sp- a space where we can let God's grace fill the yes. gaps between where we want to be and where yeah. we are actually are and that it's that chosen family or the trust that you let people see you and I think that's where God can actually work and then when we do that that family can be such an incredible tool to make us more like Christ
3: Yeah. yeah what about the example like with your dad apologize like I that that's pretty powerful that is an example right
0: yeah I think I mean I was a pastor's kid and grew up with that I think I put that a lot on myself the pressure to be perfect. Um but uh I remember a turning point where I recognized that my parents weren't well I knew, I knew they weren't, but uh, <laughs> but the, a real turning point in our relationship was um my dad had um like overreacted to something and and uh like declared, like, this is a specific punishment he was going to do, and so sent me to my room and um, came downstairs, uh, like, a little while later, and I opened the door, and he was on his knees and asking for forgiveness because he put an un, a pressure on me that he recognized was too heavy for me to carry. And he, like, just the humility of asking for forgiveness was something that really brought... Um, I think a health to our relationship because there was a a, recogni- a recognition on both of our um, both sides yeah, yeah. that we're not perfect and we're seeking Jesus together for for that and um, yeah it really brought us together but actually I think where wherever we have humility in a relationship that's where there can be growth and so yeah I don't know
1: <laughs> yeah I I. I didn't expect to get through that. You did did really good, Joy. It's good. Okay, well, this kind of goes what about what about these two different contrasts? Culture is usually is this idea of I want my family to be successful versus God's picture of family is I want my family to be significant. What are the differences? I want my family to be successful versus I want family to be, suc- let's talk about success. What, would, what does that look like, like, in our world? What would, like, I want my family to be successful? Like, thoughts on that? Well, it does that? have yeah. to
3: do with portraying, just obviously how we portray ourselves to others. I just, yeah. um, I, think, I think when it comes to differences, like, success feels more like a destination. It's like, yeah. if we can get to this, right. we're successful. Whereas, like, I think significance can happen at any point on the journey. Right. yeah. yeah. So even good. in the midst of failure, even in the midst yeah. when you yeah. feel like you're not doing enough in your group of friends or, or as a single or with family, whatever, um, significance can still happen. Whereas success is like I have to get to this, yeah. and then I've made it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. good. That's very
2: good. I, yeah, and I think the um, part of the the danger of chasing success is, like, like you say, it's always something that's far off. But it's also like you, by by not being significant we actually can be just teaching our kids to get on the same treadmill that we're despising as yes. we're <laughs> so true. like in yeah. you know like in the process of life we don't want to just teach our kids to get on the same hamster wheel we want to teach we want we want to teach them how to be smarter than that yeah. and like as a general society i think we recognize like there's this version of success that western society yeah. has propped up that is actually not fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. That and it, and I think as as parents we want to teach, we want to, uh, and, and even as church families, encourage one another. Let's let's live for something greater than that. Yeah.
1: And I think it's so easy with, like, with success. It's like, well, am I there? Or like you said, are we there yet? Are we there? And it's like, it's like for just this, I've got to give my kids all these experiences. I don't want them to, I'm going to have a, I don't want them to experience all the hard stuff I did. And I think sometimes in aiming for success, we kind of prevent them from experiencing tough stuff, you know? And I think you can easily get success. You can get success without a lot of character. Yeah like yeah. our world is full of it yeah. but you can't have significance without character development yeah. and you can't get character development without the hard stuff yeah. you know
0: yeah i i think of success as like just celebrating the wins just yeah. the achievement yes. just the the yeah. um like the great moments where i think significance can be the lesson learned or yeah. the the process that yes. you go through yes. or not just the arrival yeah. and actually we we went, um, we went to Drumheller uh, last weekend, and we're doing some um, hiking in this canyon, and Xander wanted, was climbing everything, you know. Yeah. They just climb everything, but my youngest Xander, he's 10, nine, he's nine. Um, but he wanted to climb this very steep incline. I think I brought a picture. Yeah, so that's him anyway so he he wanted to climb this thing and I was like you know what I don't like in my head I'm thinking I don't think he can do it but you know what if you want to try go for it and um and he just went for it and it was actually quite scary it was so high and um I think for us I, I don't want to just give him, because th- I, I want him to experience failure when we're there, yes, right? I don't yes. want him to just wait till he's hiking on him by himself yeah. or with his friends to take unnecessary yeah. risk. Like, I kind of want him to learn how to take risks when we're still around to yeah. teach in yeah. those moments yeah. because he is a risk taker. That's who yeah. he is. And so, like, we don't want to prevent him. Like, yeah. like you were saying, yeah. like, only letting him do things he can do so he didn't make it to the top and got stuck and was shaking and scared and you know I think it was a good moment for us to you know celebrate his willingness to try but also being there to help him fail and I think that that is family I think those significant moments can be those moments of failure that we experience together I don't know (laughs)
3: I I don't. I yeah. I think I think that sums it up well. It's a great example.
1: Where? What does significance look like as a family? What does it actually look like? I think maybe not
0: waiting till you've achieved a certain level of success to take on something new or to to think about others. I think if so, uh, like even financially or generosity-wise, like we think uh, I'll wait till a certain um, like income level to give. I think we can be significant in whatever area we're at if we're thinking about others. If we're thinking about like how can we invite people in, and I mean this is not time, (laughs) like with COVID, whatever, but like I was just getting to the point where we were – becoming comfortable of having people over to a messy house, you know, like where things weren't perfect, but it's like, you don't wait till things are perfect to invite others in. I don't know yeah. that can
1: Yeah, I think th- I like that because I think there's I think the thing about significance, I think it very much is others focused. Yeah. You know, I think about I think about my mom and dad, you know, by culture standard, my mom and dad probably wouldn't have had what would have been considered a very successful storybook mm-hmm. family experience. Like none of us can well my sister was, but like they didn't have their family all around them. You know, we lived in different countries and different continents for most of, you know, most of our married life. They didn't have, you know, we weren't all together for holidays or all together for all of the birthdays and, you know, all of the things that, you know, our society kind of props up and this is what the storybook family looks like. It's it's this and this and this and you know, and it's, it's interesting because even just, you know, and I used to, even, it's, it's funny because even over the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about this. And it's like, especially when we have your own grandkids, it's like, mom and dad, how could you move away when, you know, your grandkids were just coming into the scene and, you know, and they moved back to the States and, you know, but my mom and dad lived an incredibly significant life because... That allowed them to open up their lives and open up their home and make family happen yeah. for hundreds. I would probably say thousands, but I'll be on the conservative side. Hundreds of people wow. and people that became family, people that were their chosen family. And I think, man, if anything, you, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I wouldn't trade that legacy for anything. Yes it would have been great to have my mom and dad physically around to be grandparents and to watch them out but you know what as wonderful as honor i wouldn't trade that to see the richness of their life from an eternal value to see like even when even when when they when both of them passed away and if you know you're tuning, you don't know both my mom and dad they died within a month, month of each other last fall and and so but to see when we made this Facebook group and this page to be able to see just pieces like I don't even know who you are but you know you'd read all these stories it's just like and from an eternal perspective that's what significance is about and it's its eternal impact and and it doesn't alleviate the 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 re- responsibility we feel in building good families but man I wouldn't trade that for the world
3: It's powerful. Go ahead. Um, I think, too, like, just, so we just need to know there is significance found in any kind of family dynamic. Again, whether it's your actual family of origin or, you know, wherever you're at, just the people you're doing life with right now, and especially I think the church family is so important to just recognize, like, there is power in this as well, being a part of this. And, you know, I just think back to, you know, your story of Xander. So when he got stuck up there, as we wrap up, uh, he was stuck up there. He couldn't go any further, but he couldn't come down. And you could tell the moment when it switched. to You could hear like the fear in his voice. And so I had to climb up there. And we knew. We knew that was probably what was going to happen. I get up there, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is actually pretty risky. Like, I'm I'm nervous, too. And I had to kind of coax him back down to me. And I remember when he got to where he could with me, I just kind of... He, he held partially onto me, and he's clinging also to the wall at the same time. And... I just, I didn't know what to say. I don't know. I mean, especially as a parent, you're just like, I don't know the right words right now, but I feel like I need to say something. So I'm just like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And so he turns and he looks at me and I'm just like, you are not alone. Like just, you are not alone right now. Okay, you're not up here by yourself. And I just think, that example is so true to us in this season where we might feel like we are clinging right. to, I don't know, whatever you're clinging to, but you might feel stuck, you might feel paralyzed, you might feel like I wanted to get to this and I'm only here and this is what my life turned out to be or this is, you know, dynamics keep changing wherever we're stuck. I feel like we have to remember it's like there is, there is someone there and I believe the church is, is a big part of reflecting Jesus to say like you are not alone. Like, you're not alone. You're not walking through this together. And ultimately, more than just us as the church saying that is reminding them that that is what God is saying to all of us. And I just think, like, um, you know, that's exactly whether you are a single mom, a struggling dad, a a single person feeling left behind because all your friends are getting married or wherever you're at. God is right there to be like, say, like, will you let me in? Will you let me guide you back to safety to the path I need you on? You are not alone, I am with you. And you know, as we wrap up just even these verses, I want to encourage us. Psalm twenty-seven ten says, Even if my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. And, you know, uh, Pastor Mike, you said at the beginning, it's like people will fail us, and they're going to make mistakes. And it is true. Now, we're working to be a good reflection of Jesus and to, to do what we can, but we're still not going to get it right. But God will hold me close. The Lord will hold me close. And we shape our relationships not around a perfect family model, but around the one who is perfect. That's why we're Jesus-centered. And Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid. And I just almost just like put yourself in the place of like Xander on the cliff when you, you know, and just apply that to your life right now, wherever you are feeling trapped and whatever, like let God just kind of like get your attention and just say this, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And I just think we need to remember more than anything else the power of a God who is with us, who is guiding us through this, so that we can be what we need to be for the people in our lives and what we need to do. And so I'm going to, I want to invite us to just pray right now. If we want to just close our eyes and pray with it, join us online as well. But. I just want to lead us in an opportunity to pray because wherever you are feeling like you're at right now, it is the moment to say yes to Jesus, and that is what we're going to do. And so I invite you even to just pray along with me and say, Jesus, thank you that wherever I'm at, you are with me. You can walk me through this. You can get me back on path and surround me with the people I need to move me forward and help me be the person for my family or the people in my life. I trust in you to be the center of my life. And so I give my life to you. I say yes to you today in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash nextstep or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honour to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.